please pray with me. God of grace, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. The kingdom of God is like the practice of centering prayer, which I immersed myself in for a week last month. That is not a parable of Jesus, but somehow that is a connection I have made between the parable we are focusing on today and my recent experience with centering prayer. The parable of the mustard seed is a piece of scripture that is familiar to many in church. It's the second of two parables contained in our scripture for today, and it is by far the better known of the two. I think the parable of the mustard seed has largely overshadowed the first parable we heard. Maybe that is why the first parable caught my attention this week. It was much less familiar to me. Parables are complex teaching stories. Some are more complex than others. Jesus seems to have been particularly fond of using parables as a tool for teaching. Today's parables have to do with the kingdom of God. Jesus starts out saying, The kingdom of God is as if... That as if is the clue that everything that follows relates to what Jesus is trying to teach us about the kingdom of God. It is as if Jesus were to say, The kingdom of God is kind of like this. It is as if. The story that follows this as if, the story that illustrates the kingdom of God, is short and simple. Short and simple, and yet difficult to make sense of. How on earth does this teach us about the kingdom of God? Here again is what the parable says. The kingdom of God is as if someone would scatter seed on the ground and would sleep and rise night and day, and the seed would sprout and grow. He does not know how. The earth produces of itself, first the stalk, then the head, then the full grain in the head. But when the grain is ripe, at once he goes in with his sickle because the harvest has come. So a person scatters seed on the ground. Let's guess that this person is a farmer. Notice that the word used is scatter. This word is definitely not as deliberate as if it said the farmer sowed the seed or planted some seed. Instead, he just scatters it. So someone scatters seed on the ground. And then that someone sleeps and rises night and day. And the way this is written does not suggest simply one night and one day, but instead suggests it as a continual activity. So this someone scatters seed on the ground and then carries on with the daily rhythm of sleeping and rising. And as the seed scatterer sleeps and rises day after day, the seeds sprout and grow, and he doesn't know how. He doesn't understand how the seed grows. What is clear is that the person who scattered the seed doesn't do anything else to foster growth. In fact, it is the earth itself that is active here, the earth who produces the plant and then the grain. Then when the grain is ripe, the one who scattered the seed goes to harvest. 
And somehow this is like the kingdom of God. Clear as mud, right? I've already said that parables are complex, but really they are usually confusing. The meaning in a parable is not obvious, and other places in scripture suggest that this is on purpose. And certainly the meaning of today's parable is not obvious. So let's look at this simple yet complex, short but confusing story, and wonder about how it illustrates the kingdom of God. One thing that is particularly striking to me is that the farmer's inaction is central. What he doesn't do is just as central to the story as anything he does do. I mean, he does do something. He sleeps and rises and sleeps again and rises again. But he is doing nothing with those seeds he scattered. I don't think we are much inclined to embrace inaction. Or if we do, we often feel guilty about it. I think we are well aware of the ways God calls us to action. Action on behalf of justice, action that expresses compassion, acts of generosity and of service. This makes sense to us. But why would a central element of the kingdom of God be for us to do nothing? To simply go through our days sleeping by night and rising by day. It reminds me of the spiritual practice of centering prayer. Most of you know that I recently had three weeks off for a combination of professional development and vacation. Each week was distinctly different. During the second week, I attended a six-day retreat at the Mercy Center in Burlingame, which is a Roman Catholic retreat center. The retreat was an intensive immersion in the practice of centering prayer, and it was a silent retreat. The name centering prayer can be a bit confusing. It's very different from the forms of prayer that are most familiar to us, forms where we are talking to God in one way or another. Centering prayer is really a form of Christian meditation, and it's based on the direction to sit and do nothing. Over the years, I have often felt drawn to the contemplative side of the Christian faith, drawn to contemplative practices. This retreat was my deepest immersion in contemplative practice, and to be honest, it was a mixed experience. We would sit for periods of silent meditation for 30 minutes at a time. As the week went on, during some periods of meditation, we would follow one period of meditation immediately after the other with just a brief pause until we were sitting at times for 90 minutes. That's a long time. I could tell I was having a hard time staying centered in the meditation itself when during the meditation I found myself thinking, wow, 90 minutes of meditation is really long. Just wait till I get home and I can tell everyone I sat for 90 minutes. In the 6th century, St. Gregory the Great referred to Christian contemplation as resting in God. There are a handful of contemplative practices that come to us through the Christian tradition, and centering prayer is just one. It is different from some other forms of meditation in that there is virtually nothing to do. You don't repeat a mantra. You don't focus on your breath, for example. 
you don't have any tool or direction for working with the various thoughts or feelings or distractions that come up, you just sit there. You sit doing nothing physically or mentally until you notice that you have become caught up in your own thoughts or in something that you hear going on around you. When you notice that, you remind yourself of your initial intention to open yourself to God. And then you return to doing nothing, to that empty space. There's a little bit more to it than that, but really not much. So this is how I spent one of my weeks last month. There were moments when it felt really peaceful. There were moments when it felt frustrating. There were times when it was just boring. Perhaps the most challenging for me was feeling like nothing was happening. Why sit there and why keep doing that if nothing is going to happen? If the teachers of centering prayer are right, then the sense that nothing is happening through the practice of centering prayer might be a lot like the inaction of the farmer who scatters seed and then simply goes on with the daily rhythm of sleeping and waking without any more attention to that seed. He seems to do nothing, and he does not have any sense of what is happening during that time. It may seem to him that nothing is happening, for when the seed sprouts and grows, he does not know how. The earth produces of itself. And the advocates of centering prayer share a conviction that even when we do nothing, the practice produces fruit of itself. The practice bears fruit through God's presence and movement with us. Cynthia Bourgeau wrote an insightful book about centering prayer, which I read before embarking on this retreat. In her book, she says, Virtually every spiritual tradition that holds a vision of human transformation at its heart also claims that a practice of intentional silence is a non-negotiable. So I stick with the practice, however imperfectly, because I am convinced by the conviction of those who teach it. Maybe this also means that I am convinced by the message of today's parable. We have our part to play. We scatter seeds, or we sit. But much of what happens in order for growth and fruitfulness to happen is in God's hands. It takes place even as we sleep, or maybe as we meditate. We don't entirely understand it. But eventually... We witness that this growth is real. We see the fruit of our practice, just as the farmer sees grain ready for harvest. The parable reminds me of the command to observe the Sabbath. The deepest meaning of Sabbath is that we are called to take time apart from all the ways we labor. We are supposed to take a break from working, and we can do this because we trust that God keeps the world turning. The practice of Sabbath is an acknowledgement that we are not the ones who keep the world turning on its axis. We are not responsible for taking care of everything that happens because, after all, we are not capable of managing or tending everything that's going on in this world of ours. 
The practice of Sabbath asks us to let go of any fantasy that we can control or can fix what's going on in our world. Sabbath is an occasional pause to leave things in God's hands. Like the farmer in the parable or like the practitioner of centering prayer, our faith calls us to times when we can simply be. As the psalmist says, be still and know that I am God. Much of what happens in order for growth and fruitfulness to take place is in God's hands. It takes place even as we sleep. We don't entirely understand it. But eventually, we witness that the growth is real. We see the fruit of our practice just as the farmer sees grain ready for harvest. And in the silence, in the sleeping or the meditation, God is at work. Growth is happening that is not of our doing. But the parable suggests that our part is not finished after we scatter the seed. Yes, there is a period when we appear to do nothing. But there is also a time when we see that the grain is ripe. We emerge from that space of doing nothing, observant to what God has been up to, and we move back into action, as the one who scattered the seed eventually goes in with his sickle when the harvest is ready. We emerge from Sabbath and return to our labors. We end a period of meditation and return to the activity of life. But we return to the activity of life with an enhanced awareness of what God has been up to. We look and we see that the grain is ready for harvest. And like the farmer in the parable, we hear the call to go with our sickle, to do the work of harvesting. This is a good picture of the work of the church. The conviction that underlies the practice of centering prayer is that the period of silence, that period of doing nothing, actually is the very thing that prepares us to see what God is up to in the world, prepares us to recognize when the grain is ready for harvest. Perhaps the parable, too, suggests that the idleness of sleeping and waking is actually fundamental to how the farmer is able to recognize the time for harvest. And perhaps the practice of Sabbath is actually crucial to our ability to re-engage in the work God calls us to. Jesus says this parable is about the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is as if, that's his introduction to the story, what the Christian tradition calls the kingdom of God is in fact the dynamic living reality of God's presence and God's vision for our world. I don't imagine that this one parable captures everything about the kingdom of God. Jesus told a lot of parables. But perhaps it captures pieces. Perhaps it lets us know that when we scatter seeds, we can trust that God too is at work and that God will invite us to still more participation in God's work in the world, into that harvest. And somehow in this interplay between God's work and our work, God's kingdom is revealed. So let us scatter seeds of ministry 
small ideas and hopes and projects that we imagine could grow into more. Let us also earnestly set aside time to simply be. Time of silence and of Sabbath. And let us open our eyes to recognize God's fruitful work so that we can share in the work of the harvest. Amen.